0: You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, how are we doing? Wow, Kind of loud tonight, aren't we? Uh, I'm glad you're here. So glad you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to our online community, our online family. And we haven't done this in a long time, but here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to ask you to touch or get up or do anything, but I just want you to just look at your neighbor and smile. Just if, you're, if you feel comfortable, give them a fist bump or something like that. Just say, it's so good to sit beside you tonight. Some of y'all is on your couch. Look, turn it up to 11, fist bump. If you're sitting on the couch with somebody at home, hopefully you'll be willing to hug them. It depends on how the afternoon went, right? Right. Uh, but I'm glad you're with us today. It's, I'm excited. We started a series last week in, in Philippians where we're going uh, through the book of Philippians and looking at this, this letter that was written. We titled this series, Joy in Everything. And... Um, Paul wrote this letter to the church, thanking them for for just a blessing that they had sent. Paul is sitting in a, in a he's incarcerated in Rome, and, and there's different theologians and scholars say was he under house arrest or was he actually in a jail cell? Uh, it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> I mean, he's incarcerated and he's awaiting his his trial and his time with Caesar because he had appealed to Caesar. And the church in Philippi had sent him a gift and so and some resources and funds, and so he's writing a thank you letter. To them, and last week I really wanted us to understand how this church got started. Because a lot of times we'll engage with scripture, and we just kind of find a starting point. I mean, most of you, most of you do that same way, right? I'm just going to open up. God, just show me what you want me to read, you know? Or somebody, if we ask somebody, like, you know, I'm really feeling just a lot of stress in my life, and what what should I read? And people with well, joy, Philippians, read joy, read, read Philippians. You need all about joy. So I want you to understand the connection. That scripture has. These aren't just 66 books that stand alone. There's a connection. And the Holy Spirit brings a common theme through all of it. And I want you to understand that connection. So we went back to Acts so you could see how the church got started. A um, lot, of, lot of crazy people helped start that church. It was awesome. And uh, we spent some time looking at the story of how they got started. Now I want you to see what their relationship is like. Because it's important to understand that, that church is a relationship, that we are people called into this community together, that Jesus is the head of the church, we are the body. The church is a family, and so Jesus would be the head of the family. And it's, it's important for us to understand what the relationship of the church should look like, because honestly, in our society today, our relationships look very disposable, they look very shallow, and they, they look very much uh, uh, me-centered. Um, and so when most of our relationships get boiled down to a, a transactional level. I mean, we have a relationship with a store. I, I, they don't have a relationship with me. I'm a transaction. I mean, I, I, I spent all my time in the corporate industry before ministry dealing with customer service, and for me, that's a big deal. I mean, when I go somewhere, I want good service, right? And I tell Heather, I don't want to be treated like a transaction. I want to be an interaction. And church isn't a transactional environment. We're called into this environment together, and, and, and there's, a, there, there's a common theme that we have, and that, that is grace. And I want you to see this relationship that Paul has with the church that, that, that has sent him this, this stuff, and how he, re, how he feels about them, and, and this connection. So he starts out, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, if you remember going back to how this church got started, Paul's thinking like, Hey, I, whenever I pray, I remember you and I remember you in prayer and I have joy. I think about our time and our relationship with joy. Remember he got locked up in jail. I mean, because he was preaching the gospel, he preached it to a woman named Lydia, preached it to a slave girl, and then he got locked up in jail, and then that, that whole they got beaten because the jailer, after he let them out, he had to nurse their wounds. So, so sometimes we look back and go, that wasn't the fun time. But what he's doing, he's looking back with a lens of joy because of the partnership that they have in the gospel. So he says, when I remember you, when I remember our relationship, I remember it with joy. Because remember, joy goes beyond our happenings. Joy is dependent on Jesus. That's fruit of the Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life that produces joy beyond some some things that go on. And he's remembering their gospel work. And that connection, that connection far outweighs the suffering." If you've been in church for an amount of time and you've gone through some stuff and that church family comes around you, you remember how they, how they walked with you through the dark night. They remember how they, you remember how they walked with you through the tragedy and, and how that felt. And what, that's exactly what Paul's doing. He's remembering the gospel work. Today, we had, we had tons of, of, of leaders on our campus and volunteers here serving our community through a mobile food pantry. That's a lot of work. That's thousands of pounds of food that got to get moved very quickly. And when I was asking people today, how'd it go this morning? It was, it was all joy. It wasn't like, oh, that was just hard work. And man, it was just a lot of food. And it, it, it was joy. Why? Because it's the gospel work. Whenever we engage together in a gospel purpose, that's going to produce joy. And that's going to bring that relationship so much closer. And then Paul goes on. He says, I'm sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is, is, is he started something with us in Acts chapter 16. He started this, this, this community, this fellowship, this relationship that he calls the church. And, and he who starts that is faithful to complete it. And when he says, in the day of Jesus Christ, it's like, let's let's let him be the author. Let's let him be the finisher of the faith, right? And let him be faithful. And what, what he's saying is that when God calls you to it, when he puts that vision in you, that he's going to see it through. It doesn't mean you won't go through pain. Paul's life has been a lot of pain up to even this point that he's penning this letter, that from the time he was converted, when he met Jesus on the road, I mean, was a painful experience. Then preaching the gospel and, and, and all the things. And next week, we're going to get into all the things that he went through that caused that pain in his life. But he's looking at it going, look, what, what God started in us, he's going to be faithful to see it through. I mean, it's the same thing when I think about the creek. What God started in the creek 11 years ago, God is faithful that when he calls us to do it, he says, I will see you through. But what we have to do is we have to continue to be humble before God and submit to his way, not my way, because he's the author and perfecter of the faith. He's the one who writes the story, not me. And I'm supposed that my job as a pastor is, I've got a lot of responsibilities But a main one that I found is I got to stay out of God's way, that he's ready to lead and I've got to submit and let him lead. And that means I've got to be humble because there's things that I want to do that God says, we ain't going to mess with that. So we got to be faithful. And that's on us as a church that we've got to submit totally, completely to God so he can finish it through. He goes on, he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all. Because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He said, the way I feel about you, I'm right in feeling this way. I have this deep affection. I love you deeply because we have, we've been through some deep stuff. I mean, when you go through the fire with people, when you go through trials with people, when you walk through pain and suffering, it develops a bond. And he says, we've got this bond and it's right for me to feel this way about you. And then he tells him, I miss you. I miss you deeply. I yearn for you, he said, and I miss you deeply. And what he's saying literally is, is, is you and I have fellowship because of grace, and I feel this way because we're connected by grace. We have a connection that goes deeper than our experience in, in Philippi. We have this connection that is through grace, and that's exactly what he's, he's writing. And he's saying, I feel this way about you as the church. I miss you deeply. Because I love you deeply. I, re- I remember my my <laughs> I when I when when I was in the corporate world and we were climbing the ladder and I got I j- I'd just gotten promoted to the to the world headquarters facility and I'm in this position and I have no clue what I'm doing. And I, I'm trying to figure things out. And and I get called on this project, um, and Heather and I worked at the same company and, and she knew what was going on, but I get a call at 4:30 one afternoon. And it's, it's, it's my boss's boss, my executive leader. And she said, Matt, you're going to get on a plane at 6.30. I said, where am I going? She said, Arizona. I said, I can't, I, I'm, I'm, and I was in Los Colinas at the time. I said, I can't get back home and be back to be on a flight at 6.30. So she puts me on hold and she comes back. She goes, 10.07, I'll never forget. It. 10.07, you're flying from DFW to Tucson, Arizona. Now, this was before cell phones, so I had a pager. My, my, I, had, I felt like I, I, was, I was like the bomb because I had the alphanumeric pager. So I used a payphone to call my executive boss. So the next call was to Heather. And I couldn't get a hold of her, so I sent her an alphanumeric page. I got to go out of town tonight. You know, I'll see you at the house. So I get home, and she's like, So you got pulled into that project? I said, Yeah. She goes, how long am I gone? I said. Well, when I asked my, my boss about it, I said, "How long am I going for?" She said, "Pack for two weeks and plan for indefinitely." And Heather's and like and like Abby, our our youngest, wasn't even one, and, 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 and so that was just like that. And that was my first business trip. I mean, you get I get the whole climb in the corporate ladder. You're like, I can't wait to get into business travel. And this was my first one. I'm like, it's jumping right into the fire, baby. I was gone six and a half months. And I'd come home about every three or four weeks for a day and a half. And, and somebody said to me one time on that trip that I, I didn't punch them, but I really wanted to. It was everything within me not to just knock them out. And they go, well, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And, and, and that split second where I'm like, I want to punch you. I'm going to knock your teeth out right now. God changed my heart in that moment. And I responded with something else. I said, I was pretty fond of them before I left. (laughs) That's what Paul's saying to him. He's like, look, absence makes the heart. No, no, I was fond of you when I left you. That's that's the thing about relationships that go deep. That that look, they don't, we don't want to be disconnected. I mean, that's been the trial for the last year, right? that any way the enemy can, he wants to divide the church. He wants to get us isolated and stop our connection. And we've been through deep stuff. We've walked through the fire. We, we've walked through death. We've walked through abandonment. We've walked through trial. We've walked through lost jobs. We've walked through loss of family. We've walked through all of the fire. And the enemy wants to get us separated. But when I when I look back and I think about that, it's still with joy that we walk through difficulty because God has brought us together for a gospel purpose and he's brought us together to do something bigger than make ourselves feel good about each other. He's brought us together to do something bigger than just something that would make our hearts grow fond. He brings us together to stir in our spirit, the Holy Spirit working in us so that draws us into the heart of God, and it pushes us and our affections for Christ to grow deeper and grow stronger. He pushes and pulls our affections for one another so that we can get into this relationship called life together, and we get in and we do the dirty work called life. Two too many people want to stand on the sideline and watch other people struggle, and when they get out of the mess, and that like, you did a good job. A church is called. You're in the mess. Hang on. Let me get this shirt off. Let me roll up these pants because I'm getting in it with you. It's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's the gospel work of grace. That's why Paul says, "I went. I, we walked through the. I went through hell, and I still look back, and I, it's joyful to me." because of what God was doing in us and connecting us. And then in verse nine, he says, he says, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is a beautiful prayer that Paul lays out for the church. This is a relationship they have. This isn't just a, a Facebook message going, I'm praying for you. This isn't, hey, the church in Philippi posted a prayer request and I just liked it. You know, this, this is Paul engaging and he says, this is my prayer for you. This is, this is what I want you to experience. This is what I want you to know. This is what I want you to encounter. And he says, it is my prayer. And this is a prayer that we need today in the church. I mean, this is what Paul is, is saying is this, this deep connection. And when we think about church, I think of what he's saying. He says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. What he's saying is we need an overflowing love. We don't just need a love that's at capacity. What he's saying is I, I, I do a thing. I, I, when I produce in you, it's like springs of living water that you cannot contain it. I mean, God would say, what I wanna do in you is bigger than you. When when Heather and I submitted to God and said, okay, we wanna be obedient and faithful to launch this church that you've called us to, God, God quickly outgrew it from our hands because when God gets involved, God is a God of abundance and God is a God of overflow. And when God goes at it, he goes all in. I mean, he puts it all. He says this, he puts all of his resources in it. And that's exactly what we are called to. That's what Paul's praying for. When I pray for us, I pray that we have an overflowing love, not just an emotional connection. Listen, I've got an emotional connection to you. I've got an emotional connection to our church. But it goes deeper than that. This is a connection that gets to a spiritual level, and it's what Paul said in in, in verse seven. He said, if "You're partakers of grace with me." This is a relationship that is founded in grace. That that I mean, just look around the room. I mean, if you're watching online, just look around people in your in your area, in your in your sphere. Look at how different we are. I mean, we're we're all a mess. We all come from different backgrounds of mess and we're all heading into different kinds of mess. We're all sitting in different kinds of messes right now, but we come into this place and it's grace that brings us together. I mean, that's the beauty and the power of God when he says all nations, every tongue, every tribe, every nation comes together to declare the praise of God our Father. It's exactly what grace is doing. Grace is drawing us into this relationship called the church, and we love each other. I mean, this is a beautiful thing, how how we can love. What an example to a community around us that is struggling with a definition of love. That when they see the church love, That's a mark of Jesus because Jesus told his disciples and he speaks to us because if you're a follower of Christ, you're a disciple. He said, the world out there will know that you're my disciples with this mark by how you love each other. And there's enough love to go around. That's why it's an overflowing love. It's not based on feelings, but action because it's what Jesus did on the cross. I love you because of what Jesus did for you. I desire a connection because I want you to be connected with the action of Jesus on the cross, the action of reconciliation. See, see, we we use words in our community that, that started in scripture. We talk about reconciliation. That's not a feeling, that's an action. That if we're gonna reconcile to one another, we gotta be willing to step out and make it happen. Not just talk some theory of this, of this getting along and, and, and seeing things, you know, intolerance. And no, no, it, it's an action. And that action that the church is called to is loving one another and it's a growing love. And listen, it, it's not something that you just plant and let it go. I, I wish this time of year, I mean, probably a little bit later because of Snovid, that kind of jacked everything in my yard up. I don't know if it did yours. But this time of year, I'm like, why does everything have to grow and get crazy and out of control? I mean, we got shrubs that, that I think the Snowman man got them on. on I mean, it was, like, it was like steroids for these things. And they got shoots going everywhere now. You can't just plant love in church. You don't just plant and let it go on cruise control. Because it will get out of hand. It's tended. It has to be cultivated. It has to be nurtured. Think about your marriage. You didn't stand at an altar and make a a covenant before God in the presence of the Holy Spirit to say, I do until death do us part. And then you done. And come on, you got to cultivate it. You got to work it. The reason I can say today that I'm more in love with my wife, I'm more in love with Heather now than the day we got married is because over 26 years, we have cultivated this love for one another. We've been through the fire. We've been through difficulties. But I can look back with joy because she's a partaker with me in grace. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's that overflowing love. And, and I, this, this week, I just wanted to ask them our, our life groups some of these things because, you know, the, the, the primary vehicle that we really experience family at the creek is through our life groups, I mean, we come into an environment like this and it's, it's all one way. It's really difficult, but I, I believe church is done better. This relationship of church isn't done like we're sitting. It's not in rows, it's in circles. And I looked at our life groups and because that's where the circle happens and that's the, the fullness of a discipleship process. And so I was asking some of our life group leaders, so, so talk to me about overflowing love in your life group. And they talked about the love and the grace because see, love and grace go hand in hand. They talked about having grace for one another. And, and what came up over and over and over is parenting. Like I have an environment of grace because I'm struggling as a mom. I'm struggling as a dad. I'm struggling. And what, when I know when I walk into that environment with my life group, they go, come in, let's figure this out together. They don't have the answers. But we love each other enough to get involved in each other's mess. It's overflowing love. And then he says, out of that overflowing love, when he goes on, he said, out of that overflowing love, that you, that love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So, so another part of that environment that we pray for is, is not only overflowing love, but growing in knowledge and discernment. Ultimately, what you can say that this is, it's maturity. What Paul is praying for is I want, you to, I, want you to, I want you to grow up. I want you to experience maturity because this knowledge and discernment, think about this, it's information and how to use it. I mean, if we come in and we study the Bible and we can get fully informed about the word of God, it should lead to some kind of action. We gotta know how to use it. And that discernment is, is, is how do I rightly divide the word of truth against the world coming at me? How do I use the word of God to be the standard for my life, to be the filter for all the things that society says, this is what you're supposed to chase. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And I've got to have some kind of filter. And, and he's praying that, that the ability to distinguish is a mark of our maturity. I mean, in this discernment, it's, it's how do I approve what is excellent and pure? I mean, we, we, we spend a lot of time teaching our kids about the decision and the balance of good versus bad. But as we grow up, the thing that we really struggle with the most, I don't think it's good versus bad. It's good versus excellent. Because God just doesn't call us to good. God calls us to excellence. God calls us to walk in a way that, that Paul says in all we do, that we bring praise and glory and honor to his name, that, that we walk in excellence. And that's I need discernment. Because, see, I can, I can look and go, okay, that's wrong. Don't do that. That's right. I should do that. But do you know where I spend most of my decision time? I sit in front of my computer, I'm sitting in front of a, I'm in a meeting or I'm, I'm on, a, on a Zoom and I'm, I'm getting all this input and, and, and there's, there's matters that need my attention and I don't sit there and go, well, that's wrong, don't do that, that's right, do that. I have to sit there and I have to discern, this is by the power of the Holy Spirit, that's the best thing. That's why as a church, there's things we don't do. It doesn't mean the things we don't do are bad. It means we have to focus on what we can do with excellence. And that's that discernment that he's praying for. He says, in this relationship that you have, I want you connected in a way that you're growing in knowledge, that you're in environments where you're getting information. I mean, Heather and I I laughingly say this to each other all the time now because she'll go, I didn't know that. And I'll go, well, now you know. And for those of you who grew up in my generation watching G.I. Joe, you would say, and knowing is half the battle. Or you get the after-school special. The ding, 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 ding. The more you know. Come on now. We going to preaching now. We talking afternoon cartoons. But <laughs> forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but there's how many of us? Listen, this is this is this is where we need this environment, right? We know the best thing to do, but we just don't want to do it. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've left meetings as a pastor heartbroken for the person I met with because they were asking me to help them find some loophole biblically to avoid walking in an excellent way. And how many Christ followers are walking through life right now just settling? We know what to do. But we're unwilling to do it. And that's where we need this environment of an accountability. And when I was asking our life group leaders about it, they they said that I, I need I need help with my kids. I need help in my marriage. I need help in my finances. You know, when, when, I go, when I go to the web, there's so many opinions and so much information coming at to me that honestly, most of us walk around life with, with paralysis by analysis because we've got so much coming at us. We don't know how to filter it but we need a place that God calls us together and says the filter is my word and what will grow you up is my word and let, let God be the authority on talking to us about our marriage and raising our children and our sexuality and our finances and the way we interact in our jobs and, and let, let God be the author and source in that, let him speak to us, but we've gotta be in an environment so we can know what God's word is telling us to do and then we get around other people that love us, remember the overflowing love. Out of the overflowing love comes this maturity because we have people who are are personally invested spiritually with us in us growing up, in in us knowing the truth and walking in the freedom that the truth brings. And I just got so many responses back from life group leaders that said this information thing, this knowledge and discernment, I need to know how to do life better based on God's word, and I need to let that be the filter. One of our life group leaders said it's so fun because we all come with differing opinions on the topic of the night. I mean, you you could throw any societal topic on the table and everybody's gonna have different opinions with it. But he said, what is amazing about our group is how we're willing, because we love each other, we're willing to set our opinions aside and say, God, you speak to us. And I want my life to line up with what you're saying. Develop in me the character of Christ is what ultimately the prayer is. I and mean, when Paul would say, he said, uh, that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus, that comes through Jesus Christ. what he's saying is we're developing this character of Jesus. In verse 10, when he says this pure, that's a present tense, that you may be pure. A lot of times we think pure is perfect. But but the, the sincere tense of this word pure that he's writing means this, it's tested by the light of the sun. It's been purified. See, see, we know now, and they held a common belief that, that the sun was a great disinfectant. And what he's saying is, is get your life into the light because that's the disinfectant. That's where we can become sincere. That's the purifying process. It doesn't mean that we strive for perfection. It means that we're walking in a way that the, the, the light of God, that God is, is, is working in us to purify everything that's happened. So what, what, no matter what we go through, that we have the light. And it, 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 so when I was writing this, I handwrite my messages on, on my iPad and then I convert them and I, I literally looked tested by the light of the sun, S-U-N. And when I converted it to text, it said tested by the light of the sun, S-O-N. The way that we become pure is through the work of Jesus Christ in our life. How does he do that? By the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit constantly at work within the believer. What is he doing? He's, he's helping us become blameless for the day of Christ. We have a responsibility to help each other stand before the throne of God. That I, I have, a, I have a, a responsibility in my calling on my life that when I stand before God, it's not how Jesus handled Matt but it is how I have prepared you to stand before the throne of God. Not in a way where he says, are you mine or not? Should I let you in or out? I mean, he knows that based on the blood of Jesus Christ. God knows his kids. But when we stand before him, there is a way he's gonna look at our life. And I want you to have the well-developed, mature character of Christ in that. When he says filled and be fruitful in verse 11, what, what is that fruit he's talking about? What is the fruit that Paul said? Here's what I want your life to produce. Here's what I want our connection with each other. Here's what I want the work of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives and our relationship to produce. I mean, we automatically go to the fruit of the Spirit, right? I mean, that's what the Spirit produces is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, those are all things that you and I can't manufacture. What he's saying is, as you're filled, I'm praying that you, you abound more and more in love, and, and so you grow in knowledge and discernment to de- determine what is excellent and pure. But then he says, and you're filled with the fruit of the righteousness. We've gotta be filled. We, don't, we, we can't make this happen on our own. This isn't religious activities that brings this. It's submission to God and letting the Holy Spirit produce something in us that is bigger than us, and that's that joy, that's that love, that's that peace. You know, Hebrews 13, 15 also says, a fruit of us is, is praise and worship. Do y'all like that song, With that third song? I feel some creative... Uh, uh, input into that third song we did because it was a mashup. It was one song and then the bridge of another song. And, and I was singing it one time in the green room and I couldn't remember the bridge of that song. So I started singing the bridge of another song. And, and so I told Adam, I was like, we got to do a mashup. And they did it. It was awesome because see, we've got a faithful God and yes, I'm going to choose to praise him. That's why Hebrews thirteen fifteen says, Hey, we continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? It means sometimes I don't feel like it, y'all. It means sometimes I look around and go, God, there's, there's just so much stuff happening. There's, 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 there's this situation and this is going on and this is going on. And God just like, just praise me. I'm like, I just don't feel like it. I'm just not in the mood. <laughs> he says, bring me that sacrifice. Do you know that I have felt the power and the presence of God more when I lay a sacrifice of praise than when I feel like it? Because God says, now you're working through something. Now we're getting somewhere. Now you know what it's like to trudge a hill. Now you know what it's like to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Now you know, and you can experience my power at work in your weakness. So come on in, son, press into my heart, bring that sacrifice of praise, because that's where I'm going to show up and I'm going to do something incredible. And out of that, we begin to speak. Another fruit is sharing our faith. Romans 1.13, he says, man, I want to come and I want to speak to you. I want to preach this gospel to you. So yes, the fruit of a believer, the fruit of righteousness is us sharing the gospel. This week I get to sit down with our staff and I'm sharing my testimony with our staff in meeting this week. All throughout our ministries, leaders have been sharing their testimony, their story. Because I believe there's power in this story, and our vision this year is I want to see 200 people come to faith in Christ. That only happens when all of us are sharing our story. And we 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 kicked it off pretty hard with Easter, but let me tell you something: it's it's us sharing our story. That's it's not Matt's fruit; it's all of us producing in that holiness and sanctification. That's that's just us growing up. That's the maturity. That's a fruit. So what happens is we begin to grow up. He says, he says in Romans verse 622, he says, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification. So what he's saying is you've been set free from sin, you've gotten out of the bad. Now let's grow you up to understand what's good and excellent. Colossians 1.10 gives us another fruit, serving. He says, walk in a manner that, that's worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing and bearing fruit in every good word, and there is fruit born today on our campus as people came and got food. There's fruit being born because somebody gave you a genuine welcome when you walked in. Because here's what our, our greeters aren't just like greeters, like welcome to Walmart. Here's what our greeters understand. <laughs> you know, on your way out, make sure you show your receipt though, so they can mark it. You know? <laughs> We'll start doing that in the children's ministry, y'all. No, here's what our greeters understand. That when you walk through their door, the genuine interaction they give you may be the first genuine hug you receive all week. They know that that might be the first genuine smile that says, I truly love you and I'm glad that you're here in this space because grace has brought us together. It's no accident that you're here. This is the relationship that Paul's talking about. This is that abiding relationship. That's church. That's church. That's that's Church is a having in common that is much deeper than friendship. It's set in family. That relationship produces joy. It doesn't always mean we're happy with each other. It doesn't always mean that we go through things that are going to make us happy, but we go through things that produce joy in our life. And the only way for us to experience this deep connection is for us to be involved in it deeply. And I just want to encourage you to get started. If you're not not in a life group, get in one. That's where life is happening, y'all. If you're like, well, I, I, don't, I can't find one, then we'll help you start one because here's what I know, Paul said it. I know this, that when my God starts in you, he will see it to completion. Some of y'all, God has put on that, the vision to start a group. And I gotta tell you, we need that because we have more people that wanna be connected than we have living room seats to get them connected in. Why? Because people know grace is drawing us in because that's where the life happens. That's where the joy gets produced in our relationships. That's where we have this kind of relationship that I remember you and I thank my God every time I do. And I pray for you. And I want you to experience. It's right for me to feel this way about you because we've walked through the fire. And I love you and I yearn for you. And when we're apart, I want to be back connected. I mean, I mean, it's not just the salsa you put on your island, but man, it is the it is the word that we get around. And I'm, I long for that. We leave on Sunday night and I can't wait for next Sunday night because I've got to have this connection in my life because you care for me deeply and I care for you deeply. That's church. That's the relationship. I'm going to pray for us and then somebody going to come up here and close us out. You'll watch somebody close you out online and they'll tell you how to get connected. But let's be a connected church. Father, we love you. We love you so much. God, thank you for the connections that you've put together. It's amazing. Thank you for drawing us into you in a relationship and thank you for connecting us as a family as a church. I mean we say church but but it's family. And God, I just pray that you would grow us in love. Let that love abound in us more and more so that we grow in knowledge and discernment so that we can discern what's most excellent, so that we can have a pure life. It means a life that you ha- have, have cleansed. It's a life that you have led. I pray that you grow us in your character. Let us look more like Jesus than who we are. May we be a church family, God, that is truly marked by joy. We love you and we praise you and we pray all this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen, amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at